Welcome to the Music Talk podcast with me, Graham Farmer. In this series of conversations, I interview some of the biggest artists, DJs, and producers in the world. I hope you enjoy this series. Let's get into it. Welcome, Susan. Hi. To Hi, my everyone. Twitch stream, to my Twitch, to, to, our, to our disco shed in my garden. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Uh, I'm slightly like a bit like, let's do this. I'm excited. Um, I've, I've got, I've got a load of questions that are literally like really kind of a little bit for myself because as a, as a label owner and a, and a blog and a, and a marketer, I'm like, right, I'm going to go in deep with you. I want to, I want to, I want to pick your brain. Let's go for this. <laughs> so first up, you've just been made, you've just got a new role. Yes. Um, congratulations. <laughs> Um, that's 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 amazing. Can you tell can you tell us about the new role? Let's let's start with that. Yeah, I mean it's very excited. I've been with spinning for over seven years already, uh, and I've led the marketing teams that are completely focused on records, on the music for the past five years on top of my mind. But the complete market unit was always separated into two parts. So we had one sort of brand focus unit, which was mainly working on the channels. So the social media channels, YouTube, but also video and design. Advertising was all part of the, the different unit. And I mm-hmm. was handling marketing, promo, uh, streaming, um, radio. Uh, and now that's all sort of, you know, combined into into one big marketing department. And I am the one that um, may lead this. So it's <laughs> it's exciting. It's it's still very new. It's literally my first day. Um, so nice. you have a scoop here. It was announced this morning. Uh, oh, but yeah, it's exciting. Forward. Okay, so that that's mad. So, so it's, you're bringing all the departments yeah. into one one place, and there's going to be a new focus on kind of newer technologies, and as well as kind of the existing kind of, I guess, bread makers that put music out, releasing records, so these other technologies as well. Yeah, I mean, the biggest advantage that we see by creating one big hub is that we we aim to deliver our artists at the highest service level possible, and that was always on top of the list. But now that everything is sort of, you know, combined into one and that we are all 100% aligned, we feel like we can really take the next step. We are also definitely focused on Web3, the metaverse, NFTs, etc. Um, that department is spearheaded by Stephen de Graaf, uh, who is our commercial director. But we work together very closely on everything. I mean, it's it's all about combining forces, right? Cool. Okay. Gang in the chat, I'm glad she said that surname and I didn't have to because uh, we know how bad I am with it. With, with, with. We swerved that one, gang. We swerved it. <laughs> Don't you <laughs> be there. <laughs> Um, and how how and how how will that impact your the service to your the, the artists you've got currently? We just want to deliver complete marketing strategies, and it was always a challenge when you have two captains on one ship to make sure that you always in for smooth sailing. And I think now with combining all of our efforts, that's that's way easier. And I'm getting help, 100%. It's, it's a big department. Uh, it's, I think, almost 35 people. So I'm definitely not the one that's leading that all by myself. I have four heads reporting into me. Uh, yep. One who is focused on, on promo, one who is focused on marketing and social media, uh, video and design. 
and the streaming portals, obviously. So ahead of digital. So I will be working very closely together with these four guys to make sure that that we deliver on every aspect and not only creating communities, but delivering hits in the end. I mean, that's what it's about, right? At a record company. Yeah, of course. The, the, like I said, the bread and butter, the, uh, the, the let's deliver the numbers yeah. and the streams, I guess, at the end of the day. Before we sort of get into kind of artists you've grown, let's. I just thought we'd just talk about you and like, obviously a lot of people kind of want to be DJs these days, but obviously you're working in music now at one of the highest levels. Yeah. Did you did you always want to do that? Did you always want to work in the industry? Did you, what was the kind of steps along yeah. to get to where you are now? Yeah, to be fair, I did. Uh, my mom always tells me the story about me being five years old, telling her, one, I'm going to move to Amsterdam, which was a big deal when I was five years old, and work in the music industry. Uh, my dad was always a huge dance fan, and we listened to his collection on a daily basis, usually in the car, because his sound system was the best out there. So we sat in his car for hours, like in front of our door, which was quite funny. Um, so I always had a heart for music, and especially dance music. Um, I studied commercial economics, which, which I mean, it's very broad. I, I came out of high school, and I was like, you know, what am I going to do? Commercial economics, marketing, let's go. Um, and my internship, my final internship was at Universal Music, and that's what really sort of got the ball rolling. And I got offered a job at Warner Music quite soon after that, started out as an intern, then made it to a product manager, eventually head of media and dance music, and then spinning cold. And I was like, oh, okay, now, now my heart for dance music is really, you know, ticking. Yeah. And I always wanted to work on a global scale. I used to work for Warner Benelux, which was amazing, and I've learned loads. But when, when Spinning offered me the job in a global position, I was like, okay, I, I need to go there. So here I am now. And you said you've been with Spinning in seven years. So that must have been, like, that's yeah. seven years, but that's 20, that's like, yeah, the company must have been, that was when it was properly, like, I guess, booting off properly. Like, it was, you had some big artists then, big record. I mean, you still have now, but it felt like that part of time was really big for that, for the label, I guess. Yeah, 100%. I mean, it was completely different, though. Um, when I started at Spinning, I think there were like 30, maybe 35 people working there in total. Mm. And if you compare it to where we are now, the marketing department is 35 people. Um, and we have almost 90 people in total. So we sort of, you know, tripled from that perspective. But it was fun to to come into a family. We still call it the, the, the Spinning family um and just you know create something out of i wouldn't say nothing because the artists are definitely aren't nothing but start from scratch i think that's always what has been spinning's biggest power so to say mm. you know build artists build releases build music within the dance genre as a whole that's cool that's really cool yeah and i guess you now have the ability as a you know, you the label is the biggest thing, and that and you have the ability to just take these people from from like you say from zero to, to yeah. When you find them, do you find them like actually literally like this is their first records, or have they kind of got a little bit going on before they before they before they come to you? What's uh, how's that look? It depends, to be honest. We have bigger artists that that sign with us that already have a fan base or already have multiple hits under their belts, but we hmm. also work with artists that that are just getting started, that we just feel like the music is amazing. Um, mm. We have a, quite a big A&R team at, at Spinning, led by, by Jorn Heringa, who has been 
with spinning from the beginning, literally. Uh, so he's very experienced. And that in combination with the fact that we have loads of sort of scouting tools, plus our spinning talent pool, which mm. we look at on a daily basis. So we see you. That makes the perfect combination, so to say. And that, that makes our job as marketeers fun as well. Work with established artists on one side, but also really create something from scratch. That's cool. That's really cool. Do you get to test stuff that's kind of like when, with, with the smaller artists and then go, oh, it worked with the smaller artists as a case study and we can, we can then try that as a campaign with a, with a bigger artist or vice versa? Of course. I mean, we always try, we intend to learn from what we do, um, mm. the things we do well, but also the mistakes we've made because not everything connects and not everything <laughs> works. We release 15 to 20 tracks each week. So it would be amazing if we delivered them all, but we don't. That's that's not possible. That's not feasible. But we, we intend to, you know, reach our goals and reach our targets. And that can differ per release and per artist. Holy moly. No, that's a, that's a <laughs> lot of records every week. Holy moly. Moment, I can tell you that. <laughs> Holy moly. That's why they've got so many people. Holy moly. Yeah, yeah we need it. Wow, and, and I, yeah, I'm I'm fully aware of the the uh, the talent pool. Like I've I've watched it and seen it for so many years. It's it's yeah. like it's what you've created there is incredible. Like so, firstly, congrats because I I loved it. I love when I saw it. I saw it so when did I see it like a long time ago, and I was like, wow, that's great piece of kit. Like well done. And have you found have many of your kind of are you pulling releases from there and, and artists getting signed from there often? Definitely. We also do, I mean, we have the telepool itself and we have the A&R team that, that listens to the demos, but we also create, for example, remix competitions. So we give nice. the audience the stems and just, you know, see what they can do with an existing track. Uh, we have Spinning Academy and the World Biggest Demo Drop that we host during ADE to give people sort of an nice. extra stage, you know, to really take the light and, and show what they are capable of, but also have the direct interaction with our A&R team. Because I can imagine that from the outside, just, you know, sending over your demo and not hearing anything, you're like, yeah, is it even listened to? Is something happening with it? But it, it, it is. We, we, have, mm. we have people listening to it all the time. It's just so much. <laughs> um, and we need to be, you know, picky because an, an artist needs to have a certain USP almost, mm. sort of say. It's it's all about good music. That, that used to be our slogan and, uh, and it still is. But we also, and maybe that's coming from a marketeer like myself, we also need to tell a story to our audiences. That's very important. So that needs to be there. And we can create that, but it goes hand in hand with the artists and the managers. Someone in the chat said, as an independent musician, how does one get listened to by the spinning A&Rs only through the talent pool? Question mark. Yes. And, and during um, a spinning academy and a world biggest drama drop and a remix competition, so the things I just mentioned before, yep. I mean... Our A&R team exists out of three to four people, which sounds like a lot, but isn't really a lot, just looking at the amount of demos that we receive. So yeah. I'm not giving away email addresses here or telephone numbers because no. the A&R team <laughs> kill me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, just to give a tip, just just tell the story, you know, give a bit of background. Let's show us show us the skills, sort of say. I'm not an A&R. 
yeah, what I heard from them. Sammy Artist. Uh, there you go. Hope that helped you. Um, so most recently, your work has been on the act Lumix, a spinning artist you helped build from square one to competing in this year's Eurovision contest. Uh, Lumix was essentially a SoundCloud artist with a few bootlegs up on his personal page. And since he truly has been a bout of modern success with tracks going blistering viral on TikTok and Insta before winding up over, with over a billion streams. Gang, that's a billion with a B. Can we talk about his story? Yeah, I mean... We knew Luca was was something special from the start, honestly. He was still so young. I think he was 17 when we met him and we met him and we was already able to create such an outstanding and, and refreshing sound. And that in combination with his personality really makes it a golden formula, so to say. And I definitely need to give Warner loads of credit for this act as well, because we've worked together very closely on this one. And Germany absolutely kickstarted his career with Monster, which was mm. sort of a breakthrough track with, with Gabri Ponte. You might know from Eiffel 65s and Blue Dabba Dee Dabba Da. Yeah. And they just, you know, they, they pushed the right buttons at the right time on radio, on streaming, on marketing as a whole, with creative marketing being at the forefront. And after Germany followed the French, the Nordics, Benelux, and now he just recently represented Austria during the Eurovision Song Festival, like in a nutshell. But that's that's how fast a career can go. That's a mental that's a mental kind of curve. Like so when so he you picked him up and he literally had bootlegs. And then what was the kind of guidance? What what let's did you kind of guide him through like let's get him in the studio and kind of make get start originals? What was the like where did it kind of go from that that period? And what was the how did you sort of stop preparing that story and that kind of his kind yeah. of brand and profile, you know? No, definitely. I mean, I would say our AR team was very much involved yep. in, in in shaping his music and shaping his career. But so was Gabri Ponzo, who really is sort of his mentor. And those three combined, look at his skills, our spinning team and, and Gabri and his team. He just created song after song after song. And after hearing them, we were like, okay, this is like high quality music, 100%. To be fair, did I expect Monster to be as big as it literally became? No. And in, in the end... It's music, you never know. I, it, it always happens that I hear a track and I'm like, oh my God, this is the biggest hit ever and nothing happens. That's probably <laughs> the reason why I'm marketing and I'm not an a I think that's a good thing. But but with Luca, like I said, there was just something special and he's just, he's so skilled. And also when, when you just have a one-on-one one chat with him, he's, he's so nice and smart and he knows what he's doing. And he was definitely a breath of fresh air, so to say. Seriously, he was. So it's, it's never just only the good music of only a nice guy or, you know, it's always the combination of things that make the needle move, mm. I would say. Yeah, that's cool. You see it all the time. You see some people that are like they're making some good music, but then they're then then they're dicks, and they're or they're just and, and you're like you're just not gonna. You can see them kind of go. You can see them getting to a point, and then going. You can see it happening from when I mean, you're standing behind. You know, like that's not gonna go very far. Like no, and I'm not saying that you need to be the nicest guy in the industry. You just have to, nope. you know, nurture the the, the people. That, not that you, only that you work with, but also your fans. I mean, mm. they're the reason of your 
existence. And I feel like DJs and not only DJs, but artists as a whole need to understand the, the value of that. Yeah, exactly. When you find acts like him, what uh, what other things are you looking for? Like, I guess it's, you're saying it's music, but do you kind of look at like look and f- and what he's doing already? Like, or is there any, anything else that kind of builds into what you might you might look for for an artist when they're when you're picking them up? Like I said at the beginning, we are always looking for a story to tell. We always start by asking our A and R team the questions, like, "Why did you sign?" this act or or this artist or this single what what's the goal from your perspective which is mm. very useful to know but then we get into talks with management and the artists themselves as well we are the repertoire owner so we always sort of like you know very close in touch with each other and we always take the time to get to know them as persons what their goals are how and why they have created this song and sort of all the factors that contribute to creating that that story, that that narrative, and we try to find specific USPs that differs them from the rest. Because it's just not a good only a good song is it's not enough anymore. Mm. You know, you need more. Yes, this is the thing. Some of the things that I've kind of tried drilling myself, like there is more than just a record. It's you've got a there's yeah. there's there's social media channels that you need to you need you're going to build fans on and like you say you'll build these audiences and communicate you know, communicate with them and and like you say this you've built him across TikTok and Insta and it's got to a billion streams but was there any kind of pushback from the artist when you when you're going let's go onto TikTok or let's go onto let's do this on Instagram or or were they kind of with this artist where you was it let's do this and be fully involved and how does that work Luca was definitely ready to put in put in the work mm. but I feel like. As a record label, it doesn't make sense to tell the artist, you need to do this, you need to do that, you need to do this, you need to do that. It's about, it's a conversation. An artist mm. needs to be comfortable and mm. it needs to feel authentic because otherwise the audience, they know mm. if it's staged, they know if the record label is behind it, you know, it, it doesn't make any sense. And, and but he, he's, he's literally in that that target audience with, you know, being so young. So it was for him, it was sort of an, a natural thing to do, but for some artists it's not. And I don't feel like we should force them to do so. We just need to find other ways. There are lots of opportunities within music marketing. Yeah. I guess, I guess that's that, like you say that having that conversation, it's, it's, yeah. There, like you said, there are plenty of there's plenty of platforms and channels, and it's I guess I guess it's sitting there with having that conversation and going, right, what what are you comfortable doing, and what, and then from your side you can go, right, he's comfortable doing this, he's got, or she's comfortable doing that, and well, maybe we can use this channel, this channel, this channel, and, and that's going to work best for this artist, and this is going to yeah. be the campaign. Yeah, and I'm not saying that we then leave the the channels that he or she is not comfortable with that we don't make use of them, but just in a different way. And we obviously have the advantage of being spinning. We are a brand on its own. So we can we can give a push, I wouldn't say without the arts, but with maybe without the artist's involvement to a certain extent. So that helps. Or we look at, you know, creator marketing and, and work with influencers. And, you know, there are there are different ways to sort of I wouldn't say attack, but approach certain. <laughs> <laughs> I like the word attack. Let's go and attack. Like, yeah, let's go. <laughs> but yeah, in the end, yeah. <laughs> let's go. I'm, I'm, let's own it. Let's attack yeah. it. I'm going. It, it's, it's, it's sales at the end of the day. <laughs> if you want to win, you know, you have to yeah. go for it. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. 
Uh, so when you're building artists like Lumix, what yeah. sort of do you th do you kind of look at a plan of kind of length of time, and then was that kind of affected by the pandemic with the artists you had kind of in a kind of that plan through, and did you have to kind of change them for certain artists or even for Lumix because of the world, how the world changed? Yes, but in terms of the pandemic, I mean, we have never released as much music as we did over the past two years because our arts were completely focused on creation. They finally had the time to sit mm. down in the studio and actually make music, create music instead of being on the road. Mm. That said, I mean, now it sounds like this fairy tale, which it was definitely not because for them personally and for the scene as a whole, it was a complete letdown, obviously. And mm. I mean, dance music being about the life experience, being in a club or a festival and that part just wasn't happening. So that was, that was horrible and awful. And I'm, I'm happy that we are getting back on our feet and and for the more commercial tracks, so to say, it it was okay. But for mm. the more club focused singles that actually start within these clubs and on these festivals, it was a complete, I wouldn't say mess, but it was very hard to to build singles and tracks and artists if if there's nothing happening mm. from that perspective. So we really needed to be creative uh, from that point of view. Yeah, because I guess I guess like just thinking of like the music you put out, it's very kind of banging and and as it is and yeah. and it needs clubs and it needs and it needs those kind of yeah. big venues that will help push those records. So that's interesting. You're saying releasing more more music through pandemic. That's mad. Like fair play. Yeah. well, good. Yeah, and I mean, radio was still you know tagging along and streaming was still doing well people were listening to music more than ever because they were just sitting at home so mm. th that, that was all from a positive note and and we have loads of tracks that are way more focused on that sort of commercial side of dance music but like i said before you know the tracks that find a living within the live scene that was hard and there was almost almost non-existing we just mm. sat on them and and released them now now everything's open again and the parties are happening again that's mad i spoke to other label owners that kind of through that pandemic where they had to get creative with their with their back catalog and kind of push those because they sort of saw spikes and rises of of more streams because people were at home and they were listening to the old tracks that they, they knew and and did you were you doing the same in the background yeah no definitely definitely that was definitely one of our our fo focus points and i mean our catalog always is we have we have such a huge heritage, so to say. We've been here for over 20 years and we've had so many big hits in the dance world. So it's it was definitely the time to sort of re-engage those tracks, but it was mm. all, also time to, you know, help the artists out that were struggling also financially uh, because they weren't able to, to, to play and, and music uh, was their only income. So we wanted to cater to them as well, obviously. Oh, that's interesting. Did you, like as a company, did you find financial ways to kind of that's interesting you're saying that that you're then helping your artists out um that's yeah fair play um okay so much talk about instagram there's so much talk about the moment about instagram and how the algorithm isn't working for djs and producers now which i know is a sweeping statement and usually when people say this it means they just don't know how to use the platform at the moment in its current state always interested to understand what is working for you as a label and you as your artists and what platforms they're doubling down on right now I mean, we are very much focused on TikTok, obviously, 
Instagram, mm-hmm. especially Reels. Um, but we are also very actively involved on creating communities on, on platforms like Discord, for example. Um, we have a big in-house social team and we work with several partners across the globe to sort of increase our presence globally, mm-hmm. but also locally. Most recently in, in India, in China, for example, we, where we work with, with local partners because music just isn't restricted to borders or boundaries. So we need to be on top of everything and every platform that sort of pops up, but we can't jump on all of them. That mm. That's just, it goes so fast. And, you know, we have a big team, but not that big. So we need to make sure that we contribute our resources to the right platforms, so to say. Mm. So only the ones that we feel like really tap into our, our target audience and where our community is, is based. Again, do you, again, are you then... And then it's a case, a case, a case by case where you look at an artist again, like we were speaking earlier, and saying, right, this artist is going to be best on this, and this is, and it's going to be. And we're looking at again. I guess you look at territories and go, right, we're trying to build an artist in these territories, and these are the platforms we need to focus this this work on and this content for. Yeah, hundred percent. Very data driven. <laughs> um, nice. <laughs> yeah, as as all the record labels are at the moment, so we definitely take a deep dive for for each and every release and and see. Where, where their current fan base is situated and where we feel like we can, we can create a bigger one. I think the, the overall strategy at, at Spin-In is that we have a global, but also definitely local approach because we, we don't believe in sort of smacking things against the wall and hoping that it sticks. Mm-hmm. We intend to conquer territory by territory by territory by territory. I I don't believe in, I don't think it's realistic to create a hit on a global scale, you know, all of a sudden out of nothing, poof, that that's, mm. it doesn't work like that. So we really need to, you know, look into the data of an artist, look at his social media stats, live profile, demographics, uh, history, streaming numbers, and, and sort of, you know, run an analysis on where we should pinpoint our efforts, um, promotional wise, marketing wise, resource wise, but also money wise, mm. because we don't have multi million budgets. We don't. A lot of people think we do. We don't. Um, <laughs> so if we spend just a few K on a certain release and we just throw it out there in the world, nothing will happen. But if you really target into a specific audience and into a specific territory, then you can move the needle. And once you've sort of conquered that one, we go to the next and we go to the next and we go to the next. Hmm. And then the ultimate goal is real domination, obviously. (laughs) Yeah. I just think I I used to like playing Risk as a kid. It sounds a little bit, it sounds like a lot like that. (laughs) It is. And that's what makes it fun. And when I I talk about it like this, I, I, I can imagine it sounds really easy. It's not, you know, sometimes a need moves, sometimes it doesn't. Uh, and you have to be prepared for that as well. Uh, but I do believe in that strategy. And at Spinin, we are also in the lucky position that we are able to work together with Warner Music, which we are part of, obviously. Mm. So that yep. brings a big boost as well. Like what you say about community, I love that, and, and the local sector, I like, I love that you, the Discord thing I really enjoy. We have our own Discord. I know you've got your own Discord. Are you then doing yeah. those those for artists as well? Are you Is the kind of, it is all about community first and foremost, yeah. and then that helps you build your records. Is that is that what I'm getting? 
Resource-wise, we are focused on building Spinning's Discord channel, but mm-hmm. we definitely help artists out by giving them tips and tricks and mm-hmm. and show them what works and what, what doesn't. Uh, but if we need to sort of curate and host all these channels, then, then we we need to sort of like go times 10. That, that's just not feasible. But mm-hmm. we definitely intend to work together with the artists and the management closely on that because we feel like we, sh- we, we can all sort of, I wouldn't say benefit because that, that's a negative word, but we need to help each other out in the end, you know? That's, that's what it's about. We need to combine forces. And I guess when you're talking about local, then I guess it's as a lot of our audiences new, new and new DJs and producers, and and they're focusing kind of building their their social channels, and some of them are right at that start of that profile. Should they be focusing on the kind of their energy into who's local and who's the very local to them first, and and then and then like you say, working out, or if they've got a track that's going, it's it's music at the end of the day, and there is a global audience for the, this music. Where should they? Where should they? Do you think their energy should lie as a as a right at the very start? I think it differs. It differs per artist, um, and that's probably not the answer that you want to hear. It would be amazing if there was just you know one sort of golden rule that you need to follow, but I don't think there is. For some artists, for Lucas and Steve, for example, they're assigned to us, and in the Netherlands, they are like absolutely a list. They're one of the biggest acts in dance music, and we use the story that we've created all together in the Netherlands towards Germany, towards France, towards Nordics, etc. So it just helps again creating that story. But we also have acts that just explode on TikTok, and it doesn't even matter where you're from. Hmm. But you can create a hit. But building communities, that's that's something different. You know, we mm. we are in it for the long run and we don't want to create one day flies. We want to create superstars. That's yes. in the end what it's it's about, you know? And then it helps if you create these these fan bases. And I would say the the, the easiest is probably to start within the home territory. You see that with an artist like A Lock, for example who is huge in Brazil. He's he's literally like, he, he can't walk on the street over there. But we still have work to do in, in Europe. But mm. we are using, again, that story in our markets to convince people that, that he's, he's the shit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes. he, he started out in Brazil. That's cool. Yeah, I mean, I've seen it, obviously, myself as an editor. Like, I'll, like we'll get pitched artists and go well they've got this story it's all about brazil and they're kind of maybe and you can you can you write about him because obviously you've got more of a uk fan base or europe fan base and then we'll start kind of we'll we'll pick up artists and cover them and then and then because we've covered them so then they then you can take that to another face and we've seen ourselves from from a data transmission point of view you know yeah i think the the local relevance is is super important we see that with the with the streaming portals as well you know with all of our our sort of key stakeholders they if we tell them a record is making waves in you know you name it a certain territory and they're like okay but what's happening locally it's yeah you you just have to make sure conquer 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 I suppose. I suppose if it's the uh, the local, it's is those are the people that are going to come to the shows first, and it's those fans that are going to come to the shows, and then and then you build the show, build the kind of the rest of the tour schedule around the fact that you've got a sellout show or, or you know worked up the show ladder, I guess. Hundred percent, and 
this maybe sounds like a bit traditional, but you know, you you need to put in the work. You indeed need to go touring. You need to do the interviews. You need to do the promo. You need to do the TV shows. You name it. You you just need to put in the efforts and the time and the energy. As we both know, social media platforms are about content: good, bad, funny, the ugly, the cats, the yeah. dogs. I'd love to chat about your tips for for our DJs and producers in the chat and how they can kind of make better content or any ideas you've got around content that they might be able to take away and use this afternoon for their next release. What's working for you? Yeah, I mean, this probably sounds like a cliche again, but I feel like the artists should stay true to themselves. It doesn't make sense to force artists to create a somewhat funny video if they aren't funny, or at least they don't want to show it, you know, it's it's not something that they want to use to their advantage, so to say. So in that case, I'd rather look at a different angle or work with creators and, you know, what, what sort of content depends on the the track on the and on the artist. If it's a club banger, for example, then live content still works very well. So I'm happy the clubs and the festivals are open again, you know, either by themselves or other artists playing their songs. We recently had a track by by Piero Pirupa, We Don't Need, which contained like a refocal of Pink Floyd's The Wall. And and Carl Cox played that and, and they made a video out of it. And we were like, yes, you know, that's <laughs> amazing. Just the fact that Carl Cox is playing his video record was like. Yeah, <laughs> it was very, very uh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> there was like a check, an achievement of, on our list. Um, but if you get the footage and you can, you can show the community that it's not just, you know, the artist playing it. But him being in Cox being an authority in dance music and sort of approving mm. on the track, that's that's gold. That that's amazing. That that still works within yeah, the audience. Yeah, that the approval but above everything else that, that Carl's yeah. Carl's into it. Like that's but also then I guess the day that you get that video, that that link that's got that video in it, I bet as marketers you were got you were having a little dance around the dance dance party in this in the office. Oh. Like, you know, yeah. I, yeah, was it was it was it was it a case of like, right? Where can we shift some marketing budget? We've now got to push the the hell out of this video because it is incredible. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, <laughs> you can set a certain market strategy marketing strategy from the beginning, but you need to adapt and adjust along the way. And if mm. things like this pop up, then then you need to go for it. And I mean, DJ promo as a whole at at spinning is very important. We have one person completely focus on that you know making sure that all the big names in the industry have our music and that they are able to play it live on all the big stages if whether it's UDC uh, of EDC or or Ultra or, or Tomorrowland or whatsoever it doesn't matter because all of that content is captured on camera not only mm -hmm. the cameras by the festival but also the people with the phones mm -hmm. and that's amazing content as well so that's a big chunk um, but also Personal messages resonate very well. Exclusive mm -hmm. reviews, snippets, short interviews, you name it. It just depends on on the artist and the song. But I think it's important that you have enough content. Mm. And I don't want to wear people out or burn them out. That's mm -hmm. definitely a hot topic at the moment. Yeah. And that's not what we're striving for. But you need to keep yourself in the picture and there are def different ways of doing that but content is always key um just a thought when you're gonna we're talking about this Carl Cox thing like 
when you got that video, was it? I'm, I'm guessing you spoke about influencers earlier. Did you? Was the kind of how was the breakdown of like right? We'll get this video. We've got this video. Do we then push it to the influencers? Do we paid paid or put it up our, our own self? What was the what was your rollout on that? It usually doesn't work with influencers that you tell them what to post. Mm. Uh, you work with an influencer uh, because of the way they have built their audience and they mm-hmm. interact with their audience. Mm-hmm. Um, and it needs to come from them. So we usually give them quite a lot of freedom because they know what resonates within their viewers, so to say. So what mm-hmm. we, in the case of the Carl Cox clip, then we just put some money behind it and push it through our own social, but we didn't really use influencers to say, oh my God, listen to this. No, we mm. make a combination between the two. That's cool. You, obviously you have, as you, you spoke before about, you obviously are spinning and you have the brand and you have kind of your, the labels brand. How does that content differ for yourself? And what is the thought around kind of building brand against, you know, against, your your artist content is there is there a difference is there a kind of what is your narrative there yes content wise there there is a difference then i'm again referring back to the fact that they need to be comfortable and you know we can do what we want to do because we feel like that fits our brand but it doesn't necessarily also meet their sort of requirements and what they feel comfortable about so that differs i think it's a two-way street you know mm. uh, we are here to help building our artist brand and we do that by using our our brand and using our mm. accounts and our channels but we can't grow our channels without having great music and great artists on it so <laughs> it, it literally goes mm. hand in hand 100 percent. that's cool I was at Brian Music Conference last week and I was listening to the social media panel and the marketing panels and the word Snapchat came up yeah often. And I was like, hey, where have you come from? Really? Old friend. Yeah, old friend. I was on Snapchat a long time ago and it kind of I kind of moved away from it because I was I'm I'm really into Insta and I'm really into obviously now yeah. Twitch and YouTube. And again, yeah. I can only focus myself on so many channels. But I was like, hey, hey, I, I loved Snapchat but at the start. I was fully into it. And I the DT Snapchat was popping before we before we went on Insta and all these other things. And I and I wondered if you are using it, if you're using it from a paid point of view, if you're using it from a you know, content point of view for your artists. Yeah, I'll just chat chat about Snapchat. I mean, to be fair, we were quite active on on Snapchat, quite similar to what you just told, actually. Mm. Um, It has slowed down a bit. We we definitely don't use it as actively as, as, for example, TikTok. But that said, I do feel like there are loads of opportunities on that platform when it comes to reaching that Gen Z audience. Mm. Um, So it's definitely on top of our list to take another close look at, so to say. And Mm. I also hear from a lot of my counterparts that it's also a great way to, to, for for example, advertise your music. You know, it's it's not that expensive. You can reach a a big target audience quite easily. It's just, it hasn't been on top of our list, but I think it, it should be. Yeah, this is I, like the word "best bang for my buck" was 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 used, and I was like, "Hey, you've got my attention!" Like, yeah, you know, yeah. you know. <laughs> like, off we go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? I was like, "Hello, I'm here. What's best yeah, bang for my yeah. buck?" Let's go. No, <laughs> I also think we have a big, a big community actually on Snapchat, but it's just 
you know, a, a bit on the down low because we have been so focused on on Instagram and 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 TikTok for now, and also YouTube, obviously, and and Twitch and Discord. So there there is so much going on. Um, but right. I feel like this this one should be added to the bunch. Yeah, <laughs> someone's being assigned that next week. <laughs> My first task. <laughs> <laughs> Right, as president, vice president. Yeah. You only moved to Snapchat. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds really bad. I don't mean to like that. <laughs> We're joking, spinning team. Yeah. Um, <laughs> how are we all doing in the chat? Is there a reason Snapchat's making up? No, do you know what? I think I think they're just there's still a massive one. Like my our son is heavily on that Snapchat and like he I literally only uses Snapchat. And he's eight he's tw- yeah. twenty now. I forget his age. Shit. Um, and this is why I kind of, I, I kind of was like, because I see him on it all the time and I'm like, okay, he's literally on discord and Snapchat and I'm like, Hey, I'm in discord. I'm, I must yeah. be cool. Like, yeah. You, know, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. You don't want to, you don't want to sort of, you know, show your age. You're right. Right. <laughs> At least that's the situation where I'm in now. I'm like not telling that. <laughs> yes. Are you constantly thinking of like, where is my next, my next fan and buyer coming like like i've always from a data transmission point of view thought my next fan is is five years away and they're and they're doing where are they right now so i'll kind of make some content in that space because i know that i want to essentially bring them into the fold later when they listen to music or yeah and where is my next fan coming from do you do this do you do similar we definitely aim to do similar. I can imagine that in the in sort of in the day to day, it sometimes goes a bit in the background. But it, we definitely want to stay ahead of the curve. I think that's has been one of Spinning's biggest advantages. You know, we were one of the first that sort of cracked YouTube, so to say. You know, we we almost have thirty million subs. We probably reached that milestone in September. Mm-hmm. It's going fast. So we were we have always been sort of early adopters when it comes to creating these communities and these channels. And we want to stay ahead of that curve without sort of over flooding ourselves or mm. betting on the wrong horse. Mm. 30 million. Wow. Gang, gang, we've not busted it out, but I'm busting out a Hulk smash for 30 million. Hulk smash! I'm busting out the Hulk smash for the 30 million gang. Wow. 30 million. <laughs> I'm about to hit 35,000. Come on. Yes. The 30 million. Well done. That's amazing. It took a few years, that's for sure. Yeah. We've kind of, my next question was always, was going to be about kind of getting on spinning, but we kind of spoke about signing records and I was going to ask you maybe your best, the most fun and inventive way that someone's tried to get you music, to get you signed, to get signed on the label. I mean, to be fair, our our A&R team is sort of, you know, holding down the fort when it comes to signing music. They, They definitely ask for our opinions sometimes. I'm, for example, a big hip-hop fan as well. So if, if it's more sort of, you know, hip-hop oriented or more urban oriented, they ask me, like, what do you think? So that's where I come in. Uh, yep. But they, they are so capable of, of signing and spotting artists themselves that they definitely don't need me or the, or the rest of the marketing <laughs> team to do that. So sort of, you know, are a bit more in the background when it comes to that. But it's always, I mean, we did the, um, the World Biggest Demo Drop last year doing ADE and and the nice. winner won a release on on our label on spinning but also on musical freedom which is Jesso's imprint obviously mm-hmm. and and we called him to tell him like you're the winner and and we filmed that and he was just screaming he went mental on that one 
so fun to sort of see the response and almost see like the the dream happening. That that mm-hmm. that's fun. That that's always 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 the best part. And we recently signed another artist, and he came into our office, and we have like the big spinning ass, and he was like, "Oh my god, I'm here, the big spinning ass," you know. I've nice. looked at that for years, and so he made all sort of pictures with the with that huge ass. So that that's that's nice, and that's sort of you know the reason why we're doing this. Nice, that's really cool. Um, you've had some massive hits on spinning across the years, and I wondered if you could tell us about a release or campaign that you were behind that you worked on and enjoyed the most. Yes. I wouldn't say I'm the one behind it. It's always a team effort. I don't yep. want to take any credits that are mine. Um, but I've been with Spinning for over seven years, and I'm fortunate to have had loads of fun within my job. And one of the tracks that started out, uh, one of the tracks that we are currently working on is Ombos and Sefex. It's called Move Your Body. Mm-hmm. And that track started out as an absolute club banger in our mind, at least. But it quickly found its way to to a bigger audience. And that was mainly due to some funny meme content that we have created internally ourselves. And we've uploaded that on the Spinning TikTok channel. And that specific video went completely viral, uh, which was a lucky shot. I must say that. (laughs) And it gave an enormous boost to, to the sound within the platform. And we are now at over, I think, 2 billion views and over 290k creations in total. And, and that hype that we've created within TikTok completely transferred to the more traditional portals too. So at Spotify, we have amassed over 80 million streams and we are literally just getting started. I think we peaked last Friday, 860k streams a day. And across all quarters, we're at 130 million, which doesn't even include user-generated content. And we have a top 10 hit in Germany. And it's just so fun to see that something that started out as a really cool club track, because hmm. it is a cool song. And then through TikTok, and then something that we created internally, it was just like a funny dance meme, sort of hmm. took off. And now it's taking over the world. That That's sort of what makes it most fun. My job, at least. That's mental. Congratulations, first and foremost. That's mental. That's mental yeah. numbers. Holy moly! Um, yeah, TikTok seems TikTok seems like this the wild west. Like, do you do you are you still kind of playing and going right? This piece of content we think is going to do really well, and then it, and then it dives, and then you then something you think doesn't think is going to do well gets two billion streams. Is um, is that the landscape? Hundred percent. I mean, I think it's sort of a utopia to think that you can sort of creates viral hits for each track. It just doesn't work like that, you know? It, you, you get a lucky shot once in a while, and in the end, it's all about the audience and the and the creators and sort of also the, the combination of, of marketing efforts that are taking place. But I think a lot of record labels or maybe even a lot of artists sort of feel like, okay, you create a cool video for me, then we go viral, then we have a hit. If it only was that easy... <laughs> I would have had those 20 hits each week. It's not. Yeah. <laughs> and also with this release, I mean, there were loads of key drivers after TikTok. We spent money on social advertising, on YouTube advertising, on creator marketing, on DSP marketing. Uh, we are pushing this one to radio. We are talking to all the streaming portals. So it's not just that little viral meme in TikTok. 
it's mm-hmm. the start and then the whole machine sort of starts running if that makes sense that's cool that's really cool so um and is that the sort of the plan with each of those records each like you say you're releasing so many records a week is it the release happens then the spark maybe happens and then and then it's like right we've got a spark let's let's put some more people into it and then some more money into it and then it's this even try and grow like a like a like a i guess like a fire like you're trying to build that fire heat up you know is that what's yeah. is that, am i right yeah 100 percent. i mean you have to sort of you know push where it moves and and that's that's a little bit of the the, the the easy route, so to say, because we also have tracks that are for a different reason, very important for us, for the artist, for the label as a whole, uh, and aren't connecting all at once. And that's fine as well. Then we just have to look for new ways to market those tracks further. And that can be out of TikTok as well. It's not that TikTok is now the holy grail, you know, there are different mm-hmm. routes to take. But there's also a point of, I wouldn't say giving up because that's again is a negative word, but sort of say, okay, we've we've tried, we've we've done our best, and now it's time to move on. It's just sometimes hard to to pinpoint that exact moment. I guess there's there's only so many things you can try, and there's only so much. If it's if it's still just not, it's it, it's just it's just not landing at that time in that place, and such is life. Yeah, it is. It is life. And and if you service a track to radio and all the stations are like, no, not going to play it. That sucks. Or whatever the reason is. And the DSPs are like, no, not really a fan of it. There's not much happening. Then and TikTok's not happening. And, you know, you've spent the money. Then it is what it is. And mm. and then we just focus on, on the next one because that's that's the fortunate thing in dance music. DJs are very productive so we usually have other tracks, you know, to tap into. But if we feel like something, even if it's a little flame, is is burning, then we jump on it, hundred percent. That's very cool. And then from a TikTok point of view, like you're saying, it's not like you say, it's not just that one video, that one thing. I like how heavy are you going on it? Like how much content are you making for release? And what's the is it? Is there a two week, three week window where you're kind of going right? We need to heavy on content. And then we see what happens. And how does that kind of process work for you? Yeah, I mean, we usually start promoting a track a little bit before release because you do want to create a certain hype and a certain buzz. And you can just do that by, you know, uh, sharing some snippets if it's on the social media channels or on SoundCloud or uh, you do a premiere on TikTok. There are multiple ways to sort of, you know, start start the little fire that we just talked about release obviously is a big moment but we always intend to sort of warn our artists because a lot of artists i think in general not only within spinning i've been in the music industry for 12 years i've seen this happening before if the release comes out and and the new music fridays for example aren't as much as you've hoped for they're like oh no, it's ruined, you know, we, 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 we can't deliver anymore. This is it. And we're like, no, it's, it's totally fine. You know, this is just the beginning. We will find our way. And that can be through dance music, lists, playlists within Spotify or social media or whatsoever. But, you know, keep calm. Release week is important. I get that. But it's the start. And we just want to make sure that we have enough content to stay in the picture for at least the next few weeks. And if an art, if, if a track is sort of taking off a bit more than months, uh, because you need to have something new to tell, 
You know, you don't mm. want to repeat yourself and just going, it's out, it's out, it's out. That's, that's, that's not interesting. Nobody, everybody knows. Nobody's waiting for another post stating that, that it's available. You know? <laughs> yeah. Are you planning from a marketing point of view? Are you are you planning kind of right? This is release weeks coming. We need these pieces of content weeks in advance, days in advance. Like yeah, we do, we do, and we have uh, full blown social schedules. When are we going to post? What's in which channel? In which time frame? It sounds very mm-hmm. professional. It kind of is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so definitely, that's, that that works. And we also want to make sure that we have. You know, content from the artists, but we also um, deliver content ourselves. Like, like I said at the beginning, we have a big video and design team who are very creative and come up with loads of content for our priority releases on a daily basis, literally. So, yeah, that's 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 in place. And then I guess after that, it's being reactive and seeing content. Yes. Yeah. yeah, you just have to see what, what works and... And what doesn't, and adjust along the way. That's what it's. That's what marketing is about, really. Um, a question from the audience quickly: Is it good? Is it good? These are new from like smaller artists and new artists. Is it a good idea for them to release on other days than Fridays? Because it's it sounds like a good idea to them, but obviously there's a, a load of noise around Fridays. And is it kind of breaking the mold because that's going to help with their marketing and their kind of promotional push and being a bit disruptive on that? We've done that before. Um, usually then the day before to sort of you know hype it up mm-hmm. like tomorrow's new music but we have something for in store for you now that we, we've done that a few times but i wouldn't say it's disruptive anymore mm-hmm. because it already happens quite yeah. a lot and you are still competing with the tracks that come out on the friday because on <laughs> friday the, the big you know refreshment day of the playlist so it yeah it doesn't really matter i know we talked about community earlier are you do you do things of your you know when you've got you know you've got a big release what sort of community stuff are you doing that's just like just for your community and just that's just secret and just because that you know that they've got this little group of this certain amount of fans in certain places that maybe you do something special just for them or do you do that sort of thing yeah we do we have done like for example they get a preview of the official video that hasn't been out yet or an exclusive live set just for that that certain you know small small group of people uh, or a Q and A uh, when you can speak directly to the artists themselves. Nice. So yeah, we we intend to nurture those people because they are the ones who get the ball rolling from the beginning. You know, we we have to. Um, let's talk about the coming years. Uh, I noticed in the kind of music business uh, worldwide post today that. Your focus is more and more going to be on the the kind of Web3, NFT, maybe augmented reality. And we even have, we've been doing these things called pop-ups for our streams. And if you've been in the chat today so far, we've been dropping little links for pop-ups. And these are like basically proof of attendance, little NFTs. And we we create them for all of our streams. Uh, I sent you one this morning for yourself uh, to be part of our little pop-up crew. So collect our pop-ups. They're in the chat. What we do with them is we basically... You click on them, you put them in your POAP wallet, which is on your on your app. And at the end of the year, we can use in POAPs as a raffle feature. And we basically will do some raffles at the end of the year and give away some prizes to those people that have turned up and been part of our stream and been part of the community. So get in the um, get in the POAP game. This, we've been dropping them through the chat throughout the stream. And there's some in the Discord for previous streams if you've missed those and you're part of them. But um, I, so I'd love to talk about what you're doing from an NFT point of view and a, and a Web3 point of view at Spinning. 
Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a focus point for us at Spinning, but also at WMG as a whole. And I mean, it's still early days. We're definitely working on a lot of cool stuff, but I'm afraid that's still very much in the works and therefore yep. in-house info. We are currently looking for an innovation manager to join our team. So a person that will be 100% focused on Web3 and NFTs and the metaverse as a whole. So mm-hmm. if you feel like you're the one, reach out. Uh, <laughs> yeah, do it, Karen, do it. <laughs> right? And I mean, we've already done, done quite a few things so far. We've released uh, a first NFT with Chesto during mm-hmm. EDC in Vegas. And the team of that collection um, centers around the eagle, so for recurring image seen across the Don't Be Shy, uh, produces um, artwork and the live visuals. And the all-access eagle NFT represents phase one of his efforts in the space and grants all that VIP access to purchase his forthcoming NFT titled Eagle. Um, and that includes the promise of early access to new music, additional perks, and everything is still yet to be announced, but it's going to be very cool. That is very cool. Yeah, it was. Um, and especially, you know, having an artist like Chesto to collaborate with, that's, you know, the dream. And we've also done a campaign with Block Party. And that com- included an auction for a golden wristband for our spinning sessions Miami event. And that collectible also came with an all-inclusive party package, including round-trip flights, VIP accommodations, like the whole event you have been taking care of. I think mm-hmm. that's sold for like 10 or 11K. So that, that was quite cool. But we've also worked together with, with Timmy Trumpets. He's an artist that is like totally embracing Rap3. And we have done a pre-save campaign around his single, Just In Case, uh, where fans were able to pre-save this song and have the chance to win an exclusive NFT that was worth at least 10K plus a trip to a huge Web3 conference in LA. So that is sort of like our first three steps, sort of say, mm-hmm. into this new world. But like the press release also said, it's so on top of our list. I mean, we, we, can't, we can't ignore it. It's going to be part of the of the new marketing game. So it sounds like you're baking in like really good, you know, rewards for the people that embrace yeah. this world with you at the start, um, which is amazing. Yeah, that is pretty amazing. cool, I reckon. And we try yeah. to make combinations, you know, between digital, in-person, spinning, the artist, make sure like the the, compl- the package, complete package makes sense and it fits and it actually is an added value in, instead of just, you know, selling the artwork, for example. That's, yeah. Do you feel that the gear, that the NFT space at the moment is, 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 it's around community and it is around enhancing that community and that, like like you yeah. spoke about the whole way through, it's it's about kind of either rewarding or, or building that community by using these this new technology at the moment and just and that's 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 the the best way use at the moment as as the technology grows. Yeah, hundred percent. I agree. Um, like I said earlier, it's it's not about grabbing the money and run. I I, yeah. I don't think that makes sense. And I'm not accusing any people who do that, um, or, you know, think badly of them. It's, it's on their own game, but, but we feel like it's, it's about that, that added value. You, you really, 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 really want to have it. That, that's, that's the coolest thing of an NFT, right? 
I had a really good uh, when I was at, again. I was at Bright Music Conference the other day, and I had a really good. I was sat on the web NFT uh, chats, and there was a really good analogy of how when you in the old days you would buy the kind of box set vinyl, and it had the had the the artwork in it and the folded thing, and, the, and maybe it had a T-shirt, and 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 that's kind of where we are now with digital and and the collectibles, and and it's a similar sort of vibe. And if you consider it as that considerable, like what you're while you're buying it is because you get all yeah. these extras that you wouldn't have got in and exactly the same. Yeah. hundred percent. It's, it's about a certain exclusivity that, that, that you need to give the buyer, I reckon. Um, so that's definitely what we're aiming for. And that's the reason that we gave people not only the digital collectible, but also the VPX and also the flights yeah. and also the trip to LA, you know, and it just makes it complete in my opinion. That's cool. I have been playing a lot of Roblox with my daughter and getting into, I've been user testing my daughter and understanding the platform of Roblox. Uh, and I've been seeing loads of little, loads of really cool stuff. Like Spotify, I've just done their Roblox collaboration. Are we going to see a, a spinning talent pool Roblox hybrid of, uh, of fun? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hopefully. Let's give it a dance. Okay. Okay, let's yeah. talk about global expansion. You you're expanding into into like you said at the, at the moment and and different markets, and you expanded into China. And is your part is your part of your role to look at these kind of emerging markets? And can we chat about yeah. kind of how you go about understanding them and like where your thoughts are in different places and why you move into them? Yeah, I mean it's all all very exciting. Uh, we now have people on the ground in US, in UK, mm. and indeed China, which brings us so many opportunities the experience the knowledge and the network these colleagues bring in is invaluable and it opens doors that have remained closed for for such a long time and especially the chinese market i mean it differs so much from the western one and i really feel like we should not have the arrogance to think that we fully understand what's happening over there while sitting in our office in hilversum in the netherlands that's mm. I think that's that's the stupidest thing you can do. Um, so, so you need to have those resources in place. And I mean, again, we are lucky that we are able to work with, with Warner as well and that we have the fortunate position that we have over 20 years of experience in dance music within the company, that in combination with the people that we have on the ground, in combination with the very good close collaboration that we have with the with the Warner affiliates. At Spinning, we are very good at sort of creating a hype and creating a buzz and, and create that story and that narrative from the ground. And once we get there and we need the big guns, then Warner steps in and they bring in the local knowledge, the local resources, the experience, the budgets that are much needed in certain territories. And then you can really, really create a hit. And that, that's literally what happens with Own Boss, for example, which we've just listened to. The, we, we created that buzz initially from a club perspective, from TikTok. Then one in Germany raised their hands and said, okay, we love this song. We want to work it as well. And now it's a top 10 song. And it took them loads of time, loads of efforts, but it, it paid off. So that combination is really cool. That's mental. As mental, you've got the kind of big arcing shoulder of, of the of the major labels kind of go, right, we, we're doing this now, it's but it, it's working well, and but now yeah. you come and help us and that's, that's yeah. mental. 
And I mean, we're realistic. We can't expect Warner to work all of our records. That's that's way too much. They have their own roster. They need to work at Sharon and Dua Lipa and David Guetta. And we get it, you know? <laughs> uh, <laughs> just just, just some small artists. Fuck <laughs> <on that>. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, once once something is happening and it makes makes sense to start working together, then then we definitely don't back out of it. And and we help each other out. And and now with with the, we have two girls working in China who are focused on on marketing and streaming, and we are already seeing so much increase of of revenue, but also in terms of of visibility for our artists, support on the DSPs, uh, collaborations that we are now all of a sudden able to set up. It's it's really cool, and it brings in another dimension it's definitely one of the most fun parts of my current job that's cool you've got people on the ground i guess like you're saying that that people on the ground is is the gold basically isn't it it's like because because the platforms are different and so and like china it's a lot of places it's the whole thing's closed down anyway so you'd have to be local and have to be yeah and i think a lot of people think that they're able to sort of you know take over the world and i'm all for world domination but it needs to be realistic you need to get help You, you can't do it just from the Netherlands, it it doesn't make any sense as when it comes cool. to building those relationships. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I guess like China, is it similar platforms? Is it similar streaming platforms? Is it is it a whole different land? Is it? Can you just yeah. tell us about that landscape a little bit? It's, it's very different. To be fair, I, I learn from these girls every time I talk to them. Literally, they they have something new to tell me each week, and they don't work with Spotify. They don't have Spotify in China. It's, it's all about uh, NetEase and QQ Music and Tencent, you know, that, that's their biggest platform. And that's so sort of intertwined with, with Weibo and, and Douyin, the, the Chinese TikTok, you know, social and, and, and the streaming platforms are like, they're like one. It's, it's almost the same. So it's, it's a very, very different approach. And I mean, literally everything is in Chinese. I don't speak a word, so <laughs> I need these girls. <laughs> that's, that's cool. But that's that must yeah. be a nice part of the job. It must be a nice part of the role. Like you're obviously you're you're now the you know the the high one of the highest places, and it's about understanding all these parts and understanding you know the being the essentially the producer of all this all this magic, basically. Yeah, and and we also try to stimulate them. To, to work with their own priority schedules as well, because we set certain priorities each week, which makes total sense for Europe or for the US, for example, or the Western part of the world. But if I tell the Chinese girls, like, you have to work this and this song because it, it connects in Europe, they're like, but nobody knows who that artist is in China. But that artist that comes out on that week he has a live profile. He has a social following. So I prefer to focus on that artist instead. And then I'm like, go for it, you know, just see, cool. see what connects within the market instead of sort of bluntly going for, okay, this is a global priority. Let's deliver. It, it doesn't work like that. It's again about conquering territory by territory. Do you then have to start, like, obviously you're starting again at the, the start with some artists in, in that in that territory. Do you... Is it about them building that story and building, like we spoke about before earlier, and build the story and, and start at the base level before you can kind of punch a record? Yeah, I mean, we have a few artists that definitely already have a fan base over there, uh, mainly because of their social profile and their live profile. Life is still is very important. Mm. I mean, that's 
one of the biggest, you know, problems due to the corona pandemic that that's sort of, you know, uh, on his ass at the moment. Um, but those, like the, the DJ Mac artists are still very much happening within the Chinese uh, markets. We sort of, you know, build further on an already existing base. And what the girls always always tell me is that artist involvement is key over there. You need to communicate. You need to do the interviews. You need to go live. You need to deliver content that connects to the Chinese audience because that's very different than, you know, what connects with the Western audience. So it's very, very localized and artists need to be willing to put in the work, time and efforts to achieve that. With those platforms being so close, do you have to basically send artists there and get them making content and doing it? Is it kind of, right, you're going to China now for two mo- or a month or two months and you we're going to focus yeah. you heavily on there? Is it is it the la- literal, we have to send you there and you have to be on the ground as well, the artist that is as well? Preferably, but with Corona, that's not an option. Like mm-hmm. the country's still sort of closed um so we need to find different ways so that's the reason why it's so important to connect with with the fans and the audiences through the, those social media channels through ribo through julian have these q a's again do these interviews just talk to them yeah yeah, yeah. and i guess yeah. some of these artists in the chat that are they able to do it from from here or do they have to have we've done a lot virtually just Mm. from their homes so that's definitely possible but once the chinese market opens up we definitely have a few artists on our roster that we want to you know send that way Mm. and create further yeah and we spoke a lot about djs and producers and spinning and and i thought well we talk about you again you've you've written a, a massive influence behind the scenes and which is inspirational for so many including myself like Congratulations once again, and but also for so many young women, and maybe you have some advice for those that don't want to be DJs but want to work in music and want to work in behind the scenes and work records, and maybe young girls that want to be vice presidents at some point. <laughs> yeah, it always feels a bit weird to talk about myself like that. Um, I just, I think what I did was work very hard. That's one. Never give up speak up as well mm. and stay true to yourself. I mean, I, I see a lot of people, not only women, just that they start sort of playing a role that they, they, they feel like they need to act tough, for example, mm. or need to be bitchy or need to be, I don't know, uh, act like a leader. You don't need to act like a leader. You need to be a leader. You know, it comes across as unauthentic and it doesn't get you anywhere in the end. And in order to do that, I think you need to believe in yourself and your capabilities and understand that you are just as good as your male counterpart, for example. That's the reason you should never give up. Pension theories, you need to speak up. And in the end, I mean, just love what you do. Work needs to be fun. That's definitely the motto within Spinning Records, you know, work hard, play hard. Um, the spinning parties are absolutely legendary. And I'm always sort of, you know, on the forefront of that. <laughs> my hand and i feel like that's that's also an, an important an important part you know it, it doesn't you need to get up every morning and feel like okay i want to go for this Let, let's mm. let's let's kick some ass there's a, there's a definite fine line between between kind of kicking ass but also being horrible about it like there's like that balance yeah. between it's okay to go and kick ass but and there's some people that go take it too far beyond that and it's like they're just nasty and you're like what are you doing like 
that, I don't believe in that, you know, it, it doesn't get you anywhere. And sometimes you need to be maybe a bit critical and that comes across as maybe not nice or maybe a bit harsh, but you know, that, that also comes a bit with your job. It, it's about sort of the, the flair you bring into it and, and the way you communicate and be critical of people. You need to build them up, not tear them down. One thing I'm always interested in is when you are working in music and music is essentially your hobby for a long time and, and then it becomes your work and obviously music is stressful and music is, is full on lots of the time and it's, it's definitely 24 hours a lot of the time. What do you like to do as, as your other hobbies? What are you, what are you into? What, does, what, keeps you, what keeps you mentally sane and, and maybe healthy? That's that's a good question. Sometimes I feel like I'm just working. I have a a daughter that's almost five year old, five years old. That really keeps me on my toes. So she just demands time, which for me is a good thing, because then I need to give it to her, and that's you know relaxing for me as well. So that's amazing. I read a lot of books actually. Love mm-hmm. reading. I still love to go out all the time. I know I've been in a party scene for quite a long time, but I just, I can't get enough of it. So that's, that's what relaxes me as well. Um, go to a lot of concerts, hang out with my friends. So sort of the, the typical things, but um, I hate sports. I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> no. People always tell me like, you need to do yoga. I'm like, no, I can't do that. I'm not relaxing. <laughs> so yeah, that that's, that's it. I reckon. Yeah. Cool. Okay, we've got some questions from the audience. Are you ready for these? Oh, my days. Right. They're going in. Okay. Okay. Plenitude. What type of TikTok engagement do you think as a label works best for artists that that do use TikTok? I'm guessing it means content, it means engagements. Yeah, yeah, I guess so, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, sort of circling back to what I've said before, it depends on the artist. It just, it needs to be... A proper fit uh, and sometimes that can be really funny shit and sometimes it needs to be way more serious because the artist is not doing that so it's there there isn't seriously there isn't one golden formula otherwise everyone would do that and you know it would be very easy to sort of use that platform and create hits and it's it's just not like that i i, I used to work with um jason derulo on the conyo song jason Obviously, it has a huge following. So he created this little dance and that went absolutely viral. But then you have the dance. Mm. Dancing is popular within the platform and you have Jason Arulo. So, yeah, then it's easier to start a trend, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, how important is it for spinning that a new artist already has a, has a following? Let's get in keys. No, it's, it's not. I mean, it's about the music. It's about the story behind the music the narrative that we can tell and i think it's even more fun if an artist doesn't have any fan base but it's like this golden child uh not a child that would be crazy but you know (laughs) (laughs) a prodigy (laughs) Uh, very talented let's give it a dad um you know and and then we we can totally build it from scratch and that's that's also the fun thing about being being the repertoire owner, we have to create literally everything from scratch. There's nothing. Artwork, banners, music video, all sorts of content. But that makes being a marketeer creative and fun. You mentioned before you you obviously have a team and you have you have your own team for making content. You do you then yeah. make content for the artists specifically or are you are you just are you advising them or is it kind of a mix? Both. Yeah. 
Uh, it happens quite a lot that we create content for them. But I mean, it's absolutely amazing that if they had a big show and they filmed some some cool things, we can use that to our advantage as well. We just spice it up a little bit and, and off we go. So that's definitely a two-way street. That's cool. I guess, yeah, because you've got, I guess if you, when we were talking about these artists with no following, I guess you've got this machine that is spinning that you can go, right, well, we're going to, we're going to, we, we know what we're doing. We can create the content. We can, we can make kind of work with you on the story and the kind of promotion and the, all this, all the parts that do put together to make marketing essentially and build the arts that way. 100%. That's the fun part. Yeah. It sounds, man, I'd like to do that. It sounds fun. <laughs> How important is a podcast to the additional to the addition to the music and your own videos? Sammy Artist asks. I mean, I, I found it a tough question, to be honest. We have been chatting internally about launching a podcast as well, but we are just you know, sort of finding the right form. You know, it needs to stand out. It needs to be something different and engaging and People need to want to come back for it. We as Spinning haven't found that sort of right formula yet, but I think it can be a very nice addition to an artist if you have that right formula or that right format. Mm. That's cool. And um, we haven't really spoke about the the, the the kind of live platforms and the, and the, obviously you you have a big presence on Twitch and you, I see your channels popping all the time. And obviously now we're moving out of the pandemic. Are you? Is there still a kind of is live still part of the plan? Is it still part of the plan for newer artists? Is that is that kind yeah. of are you using that platforms for those those artists? And what are you doing live? Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, our music is is made for live, right? So it would be such a big mistake to to miss out on that part of the of the marketing mix, so to say. So that's definitely on top of the list. So we will keep engaging within Twitch, within Discord. YouTube definitely part of that as well. Yeah, that that's always part of the strategy actually. And all, I mean, live in person even more. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess I guess my kind of my thought is that obviously a lot of people don't get to play live gigs, and it's, there is these platforms where you can be live and yeah. you can you can give yourself a gig every week, and then maybe that forms your podcast. And it's good to hear that you're you're engaging on them still as well. Like I, obviously, I love being on Twitch and. Okay, here's a good question. Are all decisions as being driven by the revenue and existing markets, or would you guys ever push tracks in, in a new genre to build a market? Definitely. That's that's part of our existence. My God, it knows. Yeah, 100%. Like I, like I said before, we intend to be ahead of the game, you know, and on top of the curve. And you can only do that by taking risks and... Spending money and and making investments and sometimes it pays off and sometimes it doesn't. But if you don't do that, you will always remain the same. And other people, artists, labels will pass you by one hundred percent. So I mean, revenue obviously it's important. We are a commercial company. I can't lie about that. It's it's the reason of our existence. But we can only make money if we also take these risks and keep reinventing ourselves and improving ourselves along the line that's cool okay do you have any tips for newer artists just in the kind of marketing content social to get them going again i would say a combination about the things that we've previously discussed in the end it it starts with the music 100 it it needs to be it needs to be good and it needs to either tap into existing trends or maybe even create a new trend i would say Content-wise, obviously, just 
I think, especially when you're just beginning, just go and try, you know, see what works for you, see what doesn't. As long as you stay true to yourself, it's okay. You just have to sort of shape your own identity. I wouldn't recommend people to become a copycat of, of other artists. We, we have seen that quite a lot of times during the pandemic, to be honest, because people were like, we're not going to release music that is meant for the, for the live stages. So we're going to make music that is meant for radio, but that wasn't their core, their core ability, the core of, of their, of their music and, and what their, what their fan base connects with. So it was really odd to see like, these big sort of EDM, big room DJs now delivering radio records and everyone was confused. Streaming ports were confused. Radio was confused. Like, but isn't he like the one from the, and that song? Yeah. So it, it, it was sort of like nice try, but not really. So that's what I mean with sort of stay true to yourself, but dare to take risks though. So it's, it's a fine line, man. I don't know. I wish I had. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess that must that must have been hard from a marketing point of view. Like like you've got these yeah. records that are normally big club records or big club artists, and then they're going, right, I want to put this ambient track out, and you're going, Well, how the hell? Yeah, or, or they just expect it to be, you know, on all the big radio stations because it was more commercial sounding. And we were like, Well, it, it does sound more commercial, but it's not really, you know, what radio is is playing now, or the competition mm. is just so fierce because everyone was sort of doing that. So I'm so excited that we are now sort of getting back to normal, so to say, and that people can just work from their own strength and work from their own opportunities and you know what what's what fits them. That's cool. Thank you so much for doing this. And thank you so much for being here with us today. It's been amazing fun. And thank you for your time. And congratulations on, on your promotion. Thank you. Um, and I hope you have a wonderful rest of the day. And hope to see you soon. Yeah, you too. Thanks for having me, Graham. See you soon. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.